0: Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey, everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand, and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition. Their brand
0: of clinically researched products help support overall health. Do you want to burn fat, build lean muscle, improve strength, increase energy and vitality, help with pain relief? Go to www.thecowboyway.com. Register to get your personal discount code. Take the bull by the horns and use the brand that cowboys love. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Super excited to have uh, our guest on today, uh, Renee Cowley. I got in contact with Renee through uh, one of the other guests we had on the show, Chris Dickinson, who's an amazing photographer. So he got us connected and uh, we've been, well. I guess we've been working, trying to get it scheduled for a while. So we're doing this actually on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. So uh, we can... Uh, you could see how dedicated we both are to get up this early and do this. But uh, anyway, um, I, I've, just, I've chatted briefly with Renee, and I know a little bit about her, but uh, this is a woman that uh, has a lot of things going on and is very busy, so I'm excited for her to share with us uh, uh, what she does and uh, how she got involved in everything she does do. So anyway, Renee, hey, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate being invited on this show. And I've been a longtime listener, big fan. So this is really an honor. Thank you so
0: much. Yeah. Well, when you told me that uh, you'd listen to, you know, a lot of the episodes, I, I said, well, I must be doing something right because you agreed to come on. So that that's, that's good <laughs> to know. And, uh, yeah. Um,
1: well, so- you had, you've had just some really great guests on. I mean, of course, my friend Chris Dickinson, but you know, fellow barrel racer and fellow Utah Amberly Amber Lee Snyder as well. Pretty excited for her Netflix show to come out. I think it's, uh, I think it's this week, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to be
1: awesome. Hey, I want to tell you a funny story about how I met Chris Dickinson or, you know, I call him CD Photogs, best shooter in the West.
0: <laughs>
1: so some of my neighbors out here in, a, in Utah, they have, they run cows and to give my performance horses a break from, from competing. I like to ride them around and kind of, you know, open fields and and through cows and, and get their mind onto something else. So I, I show up one day and we're doing a roundup and all my friends are really duded up, right? They're all in these like cowboy hats and, and pearl snaps and wild rags. And I'm in like a t-shirt and ball cap. I cannot figure out why everyone is so duded up. And then this guy gets out of a Prius with a camera on each shoulder and a giant red beard. And it's, cd photog there to shoot everyone and so they had gotten dressed up for this photographer and i was like okay i get it now guys i get it you're a bunch of posers literally posers for the camera <laughs> and that but that's how i met cd photog and you know he's a he shot me a lot in various images and and for several years now man he's a talented guy
0: yeah he is and and i i love that that the tag that his tagline uh the gritty is it the grittiest shooter in the west something like that
1: that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's funny. So did, were you in any of those pictures that day in your uh, ball cap and t-shirt? Or?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think he like out of courtesy, like took a couple pictures just to like be polite, but I definitely didn't fit the scene for that day.
0: <laughs> that's too funny. Too funny. Well, Hey, you know, share with the listeners how you got st- started or how you got involved in, in just Western lifestyle and, and culture and in horses, if, if you would.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. So I wasn't really raised in the, in the Western lifestyle, but I say, you know, I was born a cowgirl at heart. Um, you know, I was raised in kind of a subdivision with train tracks in my backyard, but my sister and I, we just had a passion for horses and, and so did my mom and, So when it was time to move out of our family's little starter home and get a little bit bigger house, my mom insisted that, you know, we were going to get horses and a little bit of property. So they kind of maxed out the the housing budget and, you know, got a little spot with about 10 acres and we bought some discount horses and and we're just horse dorks, you know, to begin (laughs) with. We had no idea what we were doing. You know, we are we are not multi-generational ranchers or anything like that. But man, we just, we loved it. We had a passion for it. We knew this was kind of our thing. And, you know, that's something I've always really believed in is that, you know, being a cowgirl or a cowboy, it's more of a value set and a love for a lifestyle, whether you're living it or not. And, and Dan, I think you're probably in the same boat from what I know about your background is you don't have to be, you know, raised with horses in your background to, to love this lifestyle and be a cowgirl.
0: Absolutely. So, Absolutely.
1: So we kind of figured, you know, well, we'd better get some help with this. We better get some professional help. So we joined our local 4-H club and that was really my gateway drug into a horse addiction. You know, I just, I went crazy without hog wild. It was one of the best experiences of my life, you know, just uh, being involved in the 4-H horse program. I volunteer now is in that same program to help, help the youth, but it's just a really neat program to help with kind of leadership and horsemanship and teamwork and camaraderie and you know some of my 4-H friends that I met when I was nine years old they're still some of my best friends today so through doing the 4-H program and I started doing some kind of open shows and raining shows and out here we call it junior posse it's just kind of a junior riding club we do out here and just anything that I could do in the western discipline I started to do Um, and for the very first time when I was about nine years old I went to the um, Ogden Pioneer Days Rodeo. And in the warm-up pen, I saw Miss Rodeo Utah, who was uh, also Miss Rodeo America that year, Mary Shaw, and she was just the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> and she was so sweet and so kind, and came over and talked to me. And she was just incredible. She had this energy to her that was just exciting. And she ran in the arena to her presentation ride. Right? Everyone cheered, and you know the announcer. I was excited and it was just this like magical moment for me. I just knew like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to be as a rodeo queen. So I just at nine years old, I knew that's that's what I'm doing. So every kind of decision I made from there was based upon I'm going to be Miss Radio Utah. I'm going to be Miss Rodeo Utah. So I finally became old enough to compete for the contest, and um, you know throughout that whole experience, my family, my parents have always been kind of blue collar workers. My mom had to work um, three jobs, a couple part-time jobs in order to kind of make ends meet. And, you know, there were a lot of other kids competing at that time that had really expensive wooden quarters trailers, you know, $30,000 reigning horses, the, the best designer, uh, rodeo queen clothes on the market. And, you know, I had discount horses, a rusty trailer, a pickup truck that didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> and my mom, you know, helped to make a lot of my clothes and we had to, wheel and deal with seamstresses to kind of say, okay, you make the dress, and then we'll go on the rhinestones, and my mom will cut the fringe, and, you know, I, I try to give lessons and do other things to help supplement income, and, you know, it was just, it was kind of a, at the time, it seemed really rough, but hindsight, it was such a good learning experience that um, what my mom used to say to make me feel better <laughs> about our rusty rig was, it's not what you pull up to the rodeo grounds in, but what's what you pull out of the trailer that counts, And, you know, what we, what we lacked in financial resources, I just made up for in grit and determination and and hard work. You know, I spent every waking minute on my horse. And even as a teenager in the summer, I would get up really early and ride my horse down the street to the neighbor's arena so I could practice. Um, Because my, you know, my mom was working, she couldn't trailer me to the arena. So, you know, I just wanted it so badly (laughs) from such a young age. So, um, you know, long story short, too late for that. I, um, I was fortunate enough to be crowned Missouri to Utah, and man, those are just some of the best memories of my life at age 19, kind of traveling the state and traveling the country and, and meeting some really amazing people. It was, it was just incredible for me. Um, when that year was over, I mean, I'll just be perfectly honest with you. When that year was over, I thought my life was over. I mean, I had planned my whole world up until that time, and I didn't really know what came next. I mean, I had I had just planned my life to that moment, and that was it. So I went back to school at Utah State to finish out, and I I just kind of tried my hand at a whole bunch of different things. You know, I was taking uh, a ridiculous course load. I was um, president of three clubs. I was a uh, features writer and and had my own column in the student newspaper for a while. Um, and then I um, I needed some internship credit, so I started doing a internship at the state capitol building and that was really fun I had a lot of fun with it I um I just I thought it was very highly competitive and you know it's a politics is a blood sport and so it just kind of fed that side of my personality and it's highly competitive so I really enjoyed it and started working uh, campaigns from there and then was a political fundraiser for a while and now I'm a, a contract lobbyist. So it just kind of spiraled from there, just like my, my horse addiction is my political addiction. So that was just a lot of fun. And when I was finishing up my MBA, I thought, you know, I, I just really miss competing with horses. I still had horses and I was still kind of starting colts and flipping them, but it just wasn't the same for me. I needed that competitive element. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, so I'm finishing up my MBA and I literally thought to myself, okay, what's going to be the next challenge? What's going to be the next thing? We could go back and do reining horses, but kind of been there, done that. Do I want to start cutting? Do I want to start, you know, roping maybe? And then I thought, well, what about barrel racing? I was like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's start barrel racing. <laughs> so so, so I, you, um, ha-
0: you hadn't barrel yeah. raced uh, up until that point. You were, you were involved in more, mm-hmm. uh, reining and stuff before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did. I was, I was really into kind of performance horses, Western pleasure and reining horses. And I think looking back on it, I think that really laid a good groundwork for um, horsemanship for me. You know, you have to know a lot about rate. You have to know a lot about, um, you know, control and staying out of their way. And a lot of those things, you know, I think have helped me in my kind of barrel racing journey as well. But yeah, I just kind of woke up one morning and decided this is what I'm going to start doing is barrel racing. (laughs)
0: And this is after you, you you graduated, had your MBA, and were working mm-hmm. as a lobbyist, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So because I didn't know anything at all about barrel racing, it was like starting all over in horses again in mm-hmm. some aspects. You know, I was once again a horse dork. And I didn't <laughs> know what I didn't know. Um, I, uh, you know, I still had kind of a budget of, I, I couldn't break the bank on buying a horse. So I had called a horse broker um It's someone who kind of, you know, helps connect buyers and sellers. And I called this girl, and I told her, okay, I'm, you know, I'm ready. I want to be a barrel racer now. I want to qualify for our circuit finals within two years, and I'm gonna do all these things. And she was like, okay, all right, what's your budget? And I told her my budget, and I'm not gonna lie to you. She laughed at me, and it was a pretty disheartening moment when she was like, you can't even. I don't even know a pro to horse, or even half that. I mean, she was a little, a little um, rude in that conversation. I was a little disheartened. And, um, and she was with someone else too. And she's like, Hey, Hey, so-and-so this girl wants to buy a pro rodeo horse for X amount. You don't know anything that can get even close to that. Do you? And it was just really a, a mean experience for me. So I was really kind of, um, turned off immediately by the sport. So I was like, okay, you know, I've always been able to kind of bootstrap my, uh, horse ambition. So all I need is a fast horse. I'll figure out the rest. I just need a fast horse. Who knows anything about fast horses? Well, people who have race horses have fast <laughs> horses. So I called a friend of mine up in Idaho who races horses, and I said, "Do you have anything you think I could start barrel racing on?" And he said, "Yeah, I've got something in mind." So um, he he brought down his horse and he pulled this giant gray out of his trailer. And the minute the trailer door opened, I knew that was the horse for me. Didn't have to saddle it. I knew that was my horse. And that was Stryker. So he was just something special. He really was. He just had this kind of energy to him that I knew that he was gonna be mine. He was gonna be something special. So I went to um I went to a barrel racing clinic. I met my good friend Jenna Smink there. She kinda of mentored me along and, and helped me a little bit and you know, my permit year, I filled my permit in under ten rodeos and won some money and and really just kinda of hit the ground running with that. So I mean, I just feel like stars aligned, but it also wasn't just luck. It was a lot of hard work and seeking out mentors and kind of some trial and error and figuring things out the hard way.
0: Yeah. And plus you had the, just the desire and the passion you wanted it so bad. You're obviously a driven person. So, uh, I don't think you were going to probably let anything get in your way of, of, of doing that.
1: Well, that's, that's probably true, but you know, I tell people all the time that Um, I think a lot of people are in my same position, right? I think a lot of people have really big dreams for themselves and their horses, but they have real life commitments, you know, family, they need a full-time job in order to pay those expensive horse bills. You know, they have other constraints on their time. And, um, and I just think a lot of people are in that position, but I have always found with anything I've ever wanted that if I'm willing, if I want it bad enough and I'm willing to work very, very hard for it. But there's nothing out of reach. You know, I I mentioned my friend Jenna Sneak, and she taught me that um, people convince themselves that there's never enough of something, that they never have enough time, they never have enough money, they never have enough resources, good enough horses, proximity to coaches, lack of information. And if you're dedicated enough, you can figure those things out. Um, You know, I I do kind of the Instagram thing to help supplement income so I can't afford you know this horsing and, and help find sponsors and other ways to, to pay for that. But in terms of time, you know, it's just it's early mornings, it's late nights, it's you know asking my uh, my employers for flexible work schedules. It's just kind of something that if you want it bad enough, you will work hard enough and figure out a way to make it work.
0: Yeah. Now, and now you mentioned Instagram. Did you did you set out to You know, build a a a big you know following on Instagram. Was that something that was intentional? Did it happen more organically? Um, You know, how'd that come about?
1: Yeah, it was it was kind of twofold. Um, I've I've always enjoyed writing and being kind of a storyteller. Um, I've always really loved that, and so um, kind of chronicling my rodeo journey, I thought would be a lot of fun. Um, I thought that it would be helpful for other people too. You know, when I started in this again, I just kind of didn't know what I didn't know. And right. I didn't see a lot of, of resources out there other than attending clinics. So I wanted to sort of create a platform where people could learn and they could kind of follow my journey and be a part of it with me. Because when you ask people who their favorite barrel racer is, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, or even 10 times out of 10, they're going to tell you about a barrel racer that probably already made it to the NFR. Well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you probably don't know their beginning journey. You don't know them before they made it to the NFR. So, how did they get there? What did that look like? What was the struggle? What, what things did they do that set them up to get there? And what things did they do that, that didn't quite work out? I've always wanted to do, use this as a platform for people to be inspired by my successes and feel like they can do it too and learn from my mistakes. So, that was part of it. The other part of it was intentional. You know, I wanted to build a, a brand. In a platform in order to solicit sponsors um, to help pay for this game because it is not cheap.
0: <laughs> no, no, absolutely. So who, who was your first sponsor? Who was the first uh, person that you got to, to sponsor you in this quest?
1: Yeah, so one of the very first companies I started working with and I still work with them is a Riding Warehouse. I call them the Amazon of the horse world. From every writing discipline, you know, they have just uh, all the products you could ever need. And so Writing Warehouse has been a really awesome partner for me. Um, I really, really loved working with them. There's, when you kind of start out in the, um, I hate the term Insta Influencer. It's really annoying.
0: But it's a reality though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'm like an Insta sharer or like Insta encourager. I don't know. But <laughs> in the in the like Insta Influencer world you um you have to kind of start small right like you'll start doing um posts for products someone will just send you free product and you post about it um but as you grow then you can start you know positioning yourself for paid sponsorships and you know that's something when people ask me so how do I do this how do I grow my Instagram account well and how do I get sponsors through that well it's a couple things it's you know people go on Instagram because they want to see interesting content. They want to see pretty pictures. They want to be inspired. They want to be entertained. They want to learn something. So you have to have captivating content. You know, I'm so fortunate to work with uh, Chris Dickinson, CD photog to help, you know, cultivate some of that beautiful imagery and, and interesting content to watch. And the other thing is, you know, being genuine, you have to be honest. People can tell when you're being fake, there's a lot of fake out there. And, you know, that's why I have kind of my, campaign of hashtag filter free I just want to encourage people to just be real and be themselves online and show the good the bad and the ugly because all those things are important to the human experience and and are interesting to watch and people can identify with that people feel more connected to you when you share um, the good and the bad um, in relative proportions. and the next thing is just being professional with your sponsors I think a lot of people can get a little sloppy and you know make agreements just through dms i always write you know really uh professional proposals and i you know create uh performance metrics and i tell them i can i think i can get you this many views or clicks on your website or whatever the case may be i try to be very professional in it and, and kind of have that part down to a science of what i what i think my followers like and what i think i can produce and the value add i can have for that sponsor not just you know, I'll tag you in a post. I want to tell them what I can offer them um, in terms right. of of marketing exposure. So, I mean, those are kind of the things that I have through some trial and error, and um, you know, figuring out what works has has really kind of built my my account into what it is today. I mean, it's still not. There are a lot of people that are a whole lot bigger than I am on Instagram, but it's back to the same thing that people like to see the journey, they like to see the growth, they like to see the the struggle, and just kind of that experience of how do you do this? How does this come together? And yeah, it's just kind of a fun journey too. It's a new experiment for me.
0: Yeah. And now, but you, have you, uh, have been on social media probably since forever, correct? I mean, no,
1: no, uh, no, no, Dan, not at all. In fact, I, I hate Facebook. I I have a Facebook. Yeah. I have not really been a social media person. Um, I don't like Facebook. I've never really been on Facebook. I have a, a fan page, but I'll be honest with you. It's linked to my mom's Facebook account because I just don't care for that platform very much. Um, uh-huh. Instagram is really where I'm at. Instagram and Twitter. I like those platforms more. But I mean, I don't think I even had like 500 followers when I decided this was what I was going to do. So, but that was, and that's right when I had strikers. So what was that? Two and a half years ago? I didn't even have 500 followers
0: um oh, really so you you oh so you just yeah. got a striker two and a two and a half years ago, did you say
1: oh yeah, yeah, just two and a half years it's been a it's a short journey for me
0: <laughs> yeah that's, that's amazing how in your age group, i don't know your exact age, but I know you're very young i I'm just surprised that you weren't on uh you you had you had to have a social media account though i mean being in the you know or you're a millennial, aren't you
1: i am a millennial, i'm a millennial, okay. yeah, in fact, i just uh I hit the big three O this year. So I'm feeling oh, like an my old goodness. lady. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: you're, you're really getting up there. Look out.
1: <laughs> In that new decade bracket. It's really intimidating. Oh. But yeah, so I, I had Instagram for a couple of years before that, but I didn't I mean you can scroll all the way back to the beginning of my feed. I've mm-hmm. had it, but I haven't really used it a lot. You know, I'll post like four times a year. Um and then I just saw it as a, as a business opportunity. I knew that if I was going to start this new game of barrel racing, I needed to figure out another source of income. And and again, it was such a lofty goal for me that right. I thought it would be fun to chronicle and to kind of share with other people. So it's never really been my thing. Um, I'm kind of experimenting more with a new platform too, TikTok. I don't know if you know that one very well.
0: I, but I am a, familiar with it. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So short video form, it's just kind of fun. It's a little bit more like silly. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like that. It's just kind of a different vibe and a different feel for my brand. You know, I think I've been pretty, um, you know, motivational or encouraging and, um, -hmm. you know, pretty imagery through Instagram and Twitter and other, other platforms, but TikTok is just kind of a little bit more fun and I, and I like to be sort of silly. So it again, feeds a different side of my personality. So that's kind of what what I'm experimenting with now
0: yeah now are you are you uh is it your goal to make the nfr is is that one of your goals or
1: heck yes it is yeah absolutely yep and, i and definitely want to be running the thomas and mac someday so
0: now um in, in in terms of uh you know rodeo and we talk about this on the podcast a lot and it's really exciting about the growth and everything i i don't know a lot about um you know barrel racing outside of you know, what I see in rodeos and, and, you know, people I talk to and know, but are are there other like divisions or other places to compete? Like in team roping, you know, we got the USTRC Mm -hmm. and we got the uh, world series. We got, uh, you know, national team roping, all these different, um, you know, ACTRA, everything. Uh, Are there, are there other, you know, divisions or organizations that uh, you can barrel race into outside of, um, you know, like just the PRCA or WPRA? Yeah.
1: absolutely. And, and that's a very good point. You know, when I am, when I was kind of hitting my stride with striker, figuring out how we're going to start entering up um, Mm -hmm. we started going to local jackpots. And so that was kind of step one is, you know, barrel racing only jackpots. The the ground is always really, really good. Um, It's a a more relaxed environment Mm -hmm. and they reward different tiers. So you, um, you know, you can have success there without being the absolute fastest girl um, entered up. So we did a bunch of jackpots, but they're always, um, depending on what area you live in, there are always different kind of semi-pro, um, kind of like sprint cup leagues, right? For rodeo. Oh and right. so there are some kind of semi-pro organizations, uh, here in Utah. Um, and so I entered a couple of those and those are really great, um, venues. If you've got a horse that you're trying to see, is this, you know, jackpot horse ready to start pro rodeoing? those are really good kind of transitional areas to start in and you can have a lot of fun there and a lot of success and don't have to, you know, drive too far from home. They're usually, you know, one or two state kind of organizations and and so um, you know, it's a lot of like high school kids that want to move up or you know, people um in you'll see a lot of times, girls that that high school rodeoed and had a lot of success there, but then started a family and now they want to get back into it. And so these kind of semi pro uh rodeo um organizations are really a great um fertile ground for that for that um level of competitor.
0: Yeah. Now and what does it cost to enter, you know, some of these uh bell races like that, these jackpots.
1: Yeah. So the jackpots um again depends on the organization. It can be somewhere between like 30 and 45 dollars really. Um so so pretty affordable and and most uh jackpot organizations they'll do them weekly or biweekly. So you really get a good kind of rhythm and plenty of chance to run and compete. Um, so those are, are pretty affordable. Once you get into the semi-pro stuff and it's, you know, between a hundred and $300 pro rodeo is kind of in that same um, bracket. Pro rodeos. Right. I mean, again, depending on the rodeo, you're somewhere between like a hundred dollars. Some of them are like $600 if they're really, really big rodeos, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not even the entropy when it gets to pro rodeo, that's expensive. It's the travel. It's yeah, that's the expensive <laughs> Yeah,
0: now, um, when, like if you go to a jackpot and stuff, and, and forget my ignorance here, but do, do, when you go to those, do you make multiple runs? I mean, uh, you know, do they have like you know, uh, yeah, just like at a team rope and you know, where you, you you know, can interrupt so many mm-hmm. times. Can you do that, uh, you know, with barrel horses, or is it uh, you know, what, no, what's yeah,
1: like? it's, yeah, it's just like a one run, um. Uh, if you do it in like a 4D or 5D structure, what they do is everyone runs, they record everyone's time, and then you just run once, and then whatever the fastest time was for that day is the winner of the 1D or the, or the first division, and then it depends if they do half or full second splits, um, then whoever is exactly one one second um, off the leader, then they're the winner of the 2d or the second division. And then they have placings and then the same for third and, and fourth and fifth division. Um, and then they have placings throughout there too. Right. So then you could be third place in the 1d. Um, so you get rewarded for being good and kind of like your level set of competition. So it's, it's kind of fun that way.
0: It's kind of like the, uh, numbers in, in team roping, you know, like a similar no.
1: I don't know enough about team roping to say okay. Okay. <laughs> no, it's I'll take your word for it though Dan
0: well yeah you know they, they you <laughs> have you know different numbers like like I'm a number four you know healer and so uh, they and they go all the way up to you know they've got well they don't have a number four roping but you know you combine numbers they got like a number eight nine ten and goes all the way up oh to
1: yeah six to that's right that's right well I mean day-to-day it depends on the jackpot you can be in the 1d or the 3d um, Just depending on how your run was that day. So.
0: Okay. Okay. So that. The, so the the one D and I, I've never really known what that meant. I just kind of acted like I did if someone would say it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the one the one D is if you if you've had good runs that day, then you're 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 going to be placing higher. Mm-hmm. So you'll be yeah. in the one D. Okay.
1: Yep. Yep. And there's no like you don't have to qualify for anything. You don't have to fill a permit. You know, you just go and you enter and. Depending on your luck that day, you can be the winner of the 1D or maybe the bottom of the 5D, depending on your performance that day.
0: Right. Now, you know, with uh, the growth of like the PBR and, and, and even rodeo, uh, you know, and in, in team roping in, in particular, too, it's just a huge growth uh, in in that sport. Are you seeing that in the bell racing as well? Are you seeing bell racing uh, growing or?
1: Yes. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, I, I see growth in it and just my short experience in the sport, but I'm also seeing a level of professionalism being adopted into the sport. Um, you know, the, the Western lifestyle just isn't what it was even 50 years ago. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have, um, you know, uh, cloned horses. Um, you know, people do like aqua therapy with their horses. Now there is so much focus on the athletic training of your horse and care for them that it's just such a modern world that, um, there's just a level of professionalism now in the sport. So both in terms of interest and in terms of, um, level of competition, it is getting tougher and tougher and more professional all the time.
0: Yeah. So now have you, uh, the other thing that's, that's really grown and they've, they've got it in the, uh, um, Pro rodeos now. that the I think the wcra has got it. Is the breakaway roping? Are you uh, interested in that at all, or are you pretty much just focused on your uh, on barrel racing?
1: You know, maybe uh, maybe that'll be my next big adventure. Is starting breakaway roping now, but no, my focus right now is barrel racing. But as a part of that barrel racing journey, I've explored more in like liberty work. Um, you know, I found that some of the best things for the barrel horses is not doing barrels, <laughs> is giving them right. a break. I mentioned before, you know, riding riding through cows with my neighbors. Um, Striker loves to go on trail rides, and I, I've been dabbling more in liberty work. Now, I'm far from a Cavalia trainer, but it's just a lot of fun. It's kind of fun to experiment and test my relationship with my horse and, you know, try something new and give him and myself kind of a, a break from just turning three barrels. But no, right now, yeah, barrel racing is really kind of my equine focus at the moment. But, you know, I'm always one to kind of reinvent and try something new. So who knows, roping could be on the horizon for me.
0: Now, is anybody else in your family involved in uh, rodeo or horses?
1: So my mom really loves um, supporting me in it. She, um, She's a man. I couldn't do it without her. Um, my sister grew up with me um, kind of competing a little bit. and. And she did really well too. It just wasn't something that she pursued, you know, past, um, past college, but it's really um, just my mom and I that were bit with this horse bug. I have an older brother too. And, you know, his daughter, my niece is uh-huh. really in the horses too. So she's coming up in the 4-H program now and rides one of my horses in it. And it's, it's awfully cute to see her kind of growth and development through that program as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's just talk a little bit about, about your work. What made you decide to become a lobbyist? I mean, I that is your know. title. That is your title, yeah. correct? Okay.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm not sure that I picked this career as much as it picked me.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> you know,
1: I was, I was offered that uh, internship at the State Capitol building um, mm-hmm. when I was in college. And, and I just kind of thought, all right, you know, this would be a fun thing. And I need the internship credit. Um, I don't think I was really politically active before that. I definitely watched, you know, the, the news and kind of felt like I sort of knew what was going on in the world, but wasn't really active in that world.
0: Right. And
1: then I, um, I was offered this internship and immediately thereafter, um, I was working in the attorney general's office and, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I, you know, was not a, a poli sci major by any means, but I, uh, and I was there with like nine other interns who were all law students. So I felt really out of place and I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to find out that I'm a fraud. They're going to find out I'm a phony and not any good <laughs> at this. So I need to just, you know, outwork everyone. I need to Google everything that I hear. So I always I say I'm a graduate of the school of Google. Yeah. So I just exactly. Google things and just take copious amount of notes. And I would stay up at night and like read through legislation and different bills and try to get as up to speed as I possibly could. And I remember at one point, the, um, the PIO or kind of the press secretary in the office, he had to leave the last week of the legislative session for some training in Mexico. And so he's like, Hey, can you just like answer your, you're a public relations student. Can you just answer the phones for a week? I'm like, sure. You know, no job is beneath me. I, I just really wanted to work hard and impress them. And so anything they asked me, I was going to do and I was going to do it well. Well, that week we had two national stories break in the attorney general's office. So I was Quoted in the New York Times, quoted in the Wall Street Journal, answering these phones. I was holding press conferences. Like it just kind of worked out in a weird way. Um, and I just worked really hard at it to get everything just right. And kind of because of that um, level of effort, um, I was offered a position working on a campaign. And that campaign spiraled into another campaign and another campaign and, um, then I found out you can make more money as a political fundraiser. So I went down that route for a while and that was sure a lot of fun, but it was very cyclical work. You know, Mm -hmm. you're only getting paid when, when there's an election cycle. So that was kind of tough, you know, so I found, um, that, you know, lobbyists sure had a good life and it looked like a lot of fun and they still got to be involved in politics. And it was just a little bit more steady work. So I did an internship in the largest lobbying firm in the state of Utah and was so grateful to be offered a full-time position there. And I'm still there. So you ask how I got involved in it, it just, it it just spiraled. I, you know, never had to submit a resume anywhere. I've never interviewed for a job. I wouldn't know how to write a resume, but (laughs) just the next opportunity seemed more exciting than the last. And I just kind of went down this rabbit hole and, and it's really a lot of fun. You know, I feel passionately about the kind of work that I do and being involved in something that you know, I think matters on a grander scale. And, and again, it's a blood sport. I love it. It just, it feeds my competitive instincts. And, and it's not that, you know, I think I'm better than anyone else. That's why I'm competitive. I just like that, that struggle. And I like the challenge and trying to figure out the strategy for success. And, and like barrel racing, it's kind of a trial and error thing. And, and you seek out mentors. And it's just a lot of fun for me, as as weird as that might sound.
0: That's great. Now, have you, have you ever taken uh, any of the uh, personality uh, tests at all? Dan, what do you think?
1: (laughs) What, what personality type do you think I am? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I was, I I was just going to ask you. Yeah. You're, you're definitely uh, driven uh, over the top, um, a personality.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I am very, very red, very type a that's, that's true.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. So now, um, you know, I, the, the the podcast, you know, is about you know the modern cowboy, and and when we say modern cowboy, it, it encompasses everybody. You know, just anybody that loves the you know cowboy Western lifestyle and culture. Uh, and you know, it's I I think that there's a, a growth in, in, in that. You know, I, I mean, in this whole culture and industry, and and uh, and and I like being a part of it. Um, you know what's a, a, a let's talk about the fashion a little bit because I know that you're you're into fashion because mm-hmm. I love I love fashion you know Western fashion and stuff too, um, and there seems to be you know a bigger influence that in that and just in our uh, you know in our in in our culture everywhere right now I've just seen a lot of that. Um, what's some mm-hmm. of your favorite things about fashion that, that, that uh, Western fashion that you like?
1: Yeah, well you're absolutely right. I mean, I think you see sort of western infusion through New York Fashion Week all the way to, you know, just street fashion. Um and it's really fun. I I'm kind of an over the top personality to begin with and, you know, being a rodeo queen, I always say that I was a drag queen in a former life because I love <laughs> sequins, I love rhinestones, I love fringe and fur. And so that type of kind of over the top fashion I really really like. You know, the type of cowgirl boots that I like are always really ornate and a lot of studs and inlays and exotics and things like that. So um, I think that's a fun thing about Western fashion is that you can, you can really personalize it and, and make it a, a statement of who you are. And, you know, it's something that has helped me honestly through politics is Western fashion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being, being female, being very young in my industry and not being an attorney Um, I think a lot of people, especially early on were, were very dismissive of me. You know, they didn't, they thought I was an intern, you know, they thought I was someone's secretary and that has been tough for me to overcome. But one of the ways I've done it, you know, in addition to kind of hard work and keeping my head down and just letting my work speak for itself is, um, it's kind of Western fashion that I will wear, um, Western clothing or cowgirl boots up to the Capitol and, People like that. They think it's fun. They, you know, it's it's developing my personal brand, and everyone wants to talk about their uh, their local rodeo that they went to last summer, or their uncle that had horses, and the one time they went and rode their uncle's horses, they got bucked off. And so right. it kind of spurs a more personal conversation with someone that really helps in my profession. And. Um, I joke that for years there were a couple uh, state senators that only knew me as Cowgirl. They didn't know my first name. They just said, "Yeah, hey, Cowgirl." <laughs> <laughs> so, the so Western fashion has helped me develop a personal brand in my career and in my industry. So I, I really love that.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. Now, do you have a uh, favorite brand of boots?
1: Yeah, I have. I have expensive taste, so I like. You know, Old Gringo and Double B—they have really ornate, gorgeous works of art, and I just love those brands. Yeah.
0: How about hats? Favorite hat brand?
1: Oh, yeah, Justin Hats by Milano Hats, baby. They have been awesome to me. They've been a great sponsor, really great partner. I have some really gorgeous lids um, from that company, and and I get complimented on them all the time, and and I really love their hats.
0: Uh, Now, now, are your boots like uh, you know most women's uh, shoe closets? Do you you just have uh, tons of pairs of of boots?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of collect boots. (laughs) Okay. Um. I uh, yeah. I collect boots. So at my uh, at the height of my boot collection, I had over fifty pairs, and I have a yeah, I have a closet in my house here that's just for boots in a spare bedroom, but um, I think I'm down to like. 35 40 somewhere in there
0: nice now, now yeah. how about um how about cowboy movies or western movies you got a favorite uh cowboy movie
1: um I have a couple actually so um I really love sea biscuit that's one of my mom's oh, yeah. and my favorite movies I just I love that like underdog story and yeah you know it, it's just such a fun fun story and, and really good storytelling in that movie the way that's produced was really great storytelling there's um There's a really old movie called uh, Tonka, I think, or A Horse Named Tonka Mm. about an Indian boy and his horse and how they grow together. And um, I just really love that movie. And then uh, I think it's called Flaming Star. It's an Elvis Presley Western. And I am a huge Elvis Presley fan, huge.
0: Uh, That's great. So
1: so Elvis the uh, Cowboy is my favorite version of Elvis. Yeah, I just googled it. It's called Flaming Star. He that uh, he plays like a half Indian, half cowboy and he's really cute in that movie.
0: <laughs> That's great. Now, I I saw something in your social media and correct me if I'm wrong. Did did you have like a social media uh bachelorette thing going on for a while or something?
1: Totally. Or, or... Oh, oh my okay. gosh. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so when was that?
1: <laughs> that was that was about a year ago. That okay. was a year ago. So I had, um, I had a sponsor reach out and they wanted me to do a Valentine's Day post for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm driving back from Idaho and I'm like, all right, you know, I, I'm not dating anyone. I don't have a boyfriend. I'm, I'm not married. Who am I going to get to do this Valentine's Day post with me? And so I kind of just threw something at in my Instagram like, hey, if anyone knows a cute cowboy or, you know, if you're married to a cute cowboy, can I borrow him? Just like hit me up, DM me let me know right and my dms blew up that day i mean blew up <laughs> i had so many people that are like oh this guy i know this guy and then you know a couple guys being like what about me i didn't think guys would be interested in doing like a photo shoot um so i thought okay let's really play this up and this is kind of the fun thing about instagram is you get to experiment with different things so i thought all right i've never seen an episode of the bachelor or the bachelorette but i know there's something about like when they pick them they get a rose something like that so I was like okay let's um let's have them like apply to do this photo shoot with me let's have them apply so I I had all these people apply and then I kind of picked some finalists and I did three photo shoots with the three finalists and each photo shoot with with again cd photog right was styled as like a different date or a different like vibe and then um and then my insta insta lovers my followers they voted on the bachelor that they liked the best. And that was the bachelor that got the rose and then got to do the like final Valentine's Day post. So it was just kind of a fun like Instagram stunt. You know, I got a lot of lot of comments and a lot of exposure over that one, but it was so much fun at the time. And, you know, the three bachelors were all sweethearts. They were just fun to hang out with. And, you know, I still keep in contact with them and, and talk to them from time to time. They're just nice guys. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's great. So now we we're not going to see you anytime soon on the uh, on the Bachelor show on TV. I take no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's in the cards for me. But
0: <laughs> so so what what else you you got planned for the future? Anything? I mean, like you you thinking about bringing out your own clothing line or anything like that? I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I've thought about clothing lines. Um, I'm not sure that's the direction I want to go. I think a lot of it. All things that interest me right now is um, it's kind of like educational um, materials. So that's YouTube videos. That's mm-hmm. kind of training series. Um, uh, I really love making those like drill videos, um, writing blog posts about kind of my journey or tips and tricks and, you know, different course hacks that I've learned um, over right. the years. And so I think I'm going to try to branch out a little bit more in kind of the educational space. I do like one-on-one mentoring um, with girls. I don't really... Do clinics just yet? I'm not sure that that's where I'm at. But um, I've been doing a lot of kind of one-on-one coaching with girls. They'll come and spend a weekend or um, something really fun that we did two years ago was my permit year. Was Jen and I um, invited girls to do like a rodeo ride-along with us? So they would kind of get to see they would jump in the truck with us. They do the drive to the rodeo, and they would see all the behind the scenes, how we get ready, how we warm up, how we you know handle our horses um you know be there for the rodeo run and then the um the experience afterwards too and that was kind of a lot of fun i think that um some kids really learned a lot from that experience too so so that was fun for me i don't know i think just kind of growing in that educational space is maybe what i'm interested in right now
0: yeah i i, I want to just go back for a minute to what you said when about the you know getting the uh, bachelor guys for the photos mm-hmm. you think they would be interested in getting photos in in, in this day and age now uh, in, in particular, uh, you know, and I've said this before, like a lot of the cowboys, they say, Oh, you know, they want to keep it all old school and everything. And there isn't, I mean, <laughs> you can find the ranchiest punchiest, most Western dude, and he's got his iPhone out, uh, you know, mm-hmm. wherever he's at in the middle of nowhere, taking pictures of himself with one tied down or on his horse or something. So uh, <laughs> nowadays, yeah. nowadays, you know, everybody wants to you get their picture and, and, you know, I don't know what it is about that um i actually I think I talked with uh with Chris about it a little bit, but even when you look back in uh in history, you know they used to have the old photo studios the old cowboys would go into and, and get their picture taken but but we all do mm-hmm. like to see our picture for some reason
1: you, you know you're probably right, and i I guess I go back to that story of how I met chris Dickinson and um how all those. You know, neighbors of mine got really dude it up
0: for yeah. for just yeah.
1: to gather some cows. They were into it. You know, they tried to act tough, but they're they're into it.
0: <laughs> That's so great. Well, hey, Renee, we're getting uh close to the end of our time here. Uh you wanna just uh let the listeners know where they can follow you at? Uh what's your Instagram handle and
1: sure. Yeah, it's uh it's Renee Cowley um on Instagram, Twitter. TikTok, YouTube, I've got a YouTube channel that's really fun for me to curate. Um, on Facebook, it's Renee Cowley Official. Go ahead and follow it. But, you know, my mom's the one receiving your DMs. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I love when people reach out on, on Instagram and, you know, just even if I going to talk or have questions about, you know, what's going on or, or how I could be of help. I just love kind of interacting with people through all those platforms. So for sure, DM me um, and let's, uh, let's be Insta friends.
0: Yeah. And then and Renee is spelled R-E-N-A-E. Correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But just, yeah, you... my full name, no underscores, no spaces.
0: Okay. And then you have a website also, right?
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. It's uh <laughs> Renee, Renee So that's a fun place for me to write a lot of blog posts. And I said, I really love to write. That's a fun place for me to kind of share um, more detailed experiences and um and and kind of share some more advice and tips and tricks and behind the scenes through my website so yeah renaykelly.com
0: perfect well Renee, hey man i really appreciate you coming on today i'm 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 like super motivated and stoked now just talking to you you're very inspiring <laughs> and, and you're just driven and and i just think that's just so admirable and uh i uh, just look forward to you know watching you grow your brand and and see what you um you know have uh, for us all in the future
1: well Dan, I mean thanks so much for having me on. I just want to take a quick minute and and thank you and acknowledge you for everything that you're doing for kind of the western industry. I think it's incredible the way you're sharing a glimpse into this world and and in a modern world, you know, rodeo and this western lifestyle, it is just changing and it is different. You know, tractors have GPS, there's drone farm equipment. You know, we talked about the professionalism in in the rodeo sport now and it's just a different world and, and you just don't have to be a full-time rancher and, and farmer to be able to love it and appreciate it. You know, I think that those people that attend their county fairs once a year and, and enjoy watching the sport are just as important to this industry and this lifestyle as the, uh, you know, seventh generation rancher. And, and I just appreciate all you're doing to kind of bring the exposure to that and making people feel included in that. And, um, and I just think it's fantastic what you're doing. So thank you very much for all that you're, you're doing in that, in that space.
0: Well, well, thanks for that, Renee. I really appreciate that, and and we're just gonna keep uh keep on keeping on because um I love what I'm doing just like you know you love what you're doing and and uh, like you said it's it's important I think just to grow our fan base uh, because everybody's got a little cowboy or cowgirl in their heart that's that's just a fact you know and and uh, um, I just I, I look forward to you know the the our sport growing more and uh, you know, athletes being paid you know uh what they should be paid for you know what they're mm-hmm. doing and and I'm just excited for the future
1: amen yeah
0: well hey it's uh it's what is it eight o'clock now so uh, I guess we can <laughs> both go to, go to work um again yeah. I just really appreciate your time and uh we'll we'll be in touch
1: awesome thanks so much Dan best of luck with the uh, with the podcast
0: thanks huh Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast, or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com.
2: Hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies. Kick back in the saddle and philosophize. Most of life's problems. Yeah, we're gonna solve down at the rope and Yeah, we don't do it for the money You were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pen And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack If you can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins but down at the rope and pay. Well, I ain't no play speed. But I give her hell. Hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pin of steers. Tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're going to solve them down at the roving pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roving pen. Down at the roving